Welcome to Compliance Pointers, where we take an in-depth look into the latest news, trends, and challenges surrounding information security, privacy, and marketing compliance. Let's dive in with your host, Jordan Eisner. Okay, welcome back. This is Jordan Eisner, your host for Compliance Pointers, a dedicated podcast for information security, data privacy, and regulatory compliance. I'm the VP of Sales with Compliance Point, as most of our listeners probably know by this point, and most of you probably know Carol Amick, our Director of Healthcare Services, back for the third time here on the podcast. Carol, good to have you with us. Thank you, Jordan. Good to be here. And um, for those that haven't heard a Carol podcast before in, our, in the past, she's been with the organization for what now, Carol? Five years? Yeah, going close to six now, yeah. Going close to six. She's the Director of our healthcare practice. She's a HIPAA and high trust guru. She spent time working on the client side uh, as VP of compliance. She's worked for KPMG and other big consulting firms. Long, not too long, but long history of success <laughs> and expertise in the healthcare space. So excited to have her back. Today, we're going to be talking about healthcare organizations. Um, I'd say those providing care, covered entities, but also maybe business associates as well, um, and their need to conduct a risk assessment. And I assume maybe we're talking about security risk assessment, but Carol, maybe you'll add some color on that um, and how you can go about getting an assessment done. So let's start there, Carol. First and foremost, risk assessment thrown around a lot. Talking about HIPAA here, right? Mm -hmm. um, what is it? Give so, us an overview. What's the requirement? Who's it applied to? Right. What should I know about a risk assessment if I'm in an organization that HIPAA is applicable to, or I provide services to an organization that HIPAA is applicable to? So that brings me into the fold. Yeah. So if you are a healthcare provider or a business associate, someone who provides services to healthcare, you are um, expected to comply with the HIPAA security role. And the HIPAA security rule requires that organizations do an annual risk assessment to identify and address risks to protected health information or EPHI that they have under their control. Um, and so the risk assessment really is a, a system of analyzing your environment, your risk, and looking at your control environment to see if you have adequately addressed risk related to um, that PHI. Now, a risk assessment is not going to make you bulletproof and make sure you don't never have a breach or you never have a problem, but it does show that you're making a really good faith effort to to protect the data, and that's very important to the Department of Health and Human Services that oversees the um, risk assessment process. Okay. So I'm going to say the way I've thought of it, and you tell me if that's just stupid or if maybe uh, it's the right way to think about it as a company, is that you need to understand, right? Organizations from a HIPAA standpoint have different policies, they've got procedures, they'll have technical controls they put in place to protect PHI. Mm -hmm. um, and so you need to understand based on your business, your complexities, your scope, your focus, what are the threats to that PHI, right? Where our vulnerabilities might exist, and that informs where you put controls in place. It's not to your point just about complying with HIPAA, but the risk assessment maybe is 
where are the most meaningful areas to put controls in, right, to limit or mitigate risk associated with it? Maybe not necessarily 100% compliance, which we're not advocating for you not to be 100% compliant, but <laughs> where can we get the most bang for our buck in terms of reducing risk with PHI? Yeah, the way we do our risk assessments is we prioritize it based on the likelihood and the impact of the threat. So um, let's use fishing as an example. We all know that fishing right now is a very high likelihood impact, that you're going to get a phishing email. If you haven't gotten one, you're just probably not really checking your emails closely. The phishing is also one of the most likely methods for a bad actor to get into your system because somebody's going to click on that email and now that bad actor is in your system watching keystrokes, et cetera. So the likelihood of a phishing attack happening are high, is high, excuse me, and the impact of a phishing impact attack could be also very high depending on how long that bad actor is allowed to stay in your system, what they can see, what they can do. So that would be a high priority thing that we would recommend when you do your risk assessment if you don't have good controls there, that goes into your thing you focus on first and work towards that. So that helps you once you do your risk assessment, figure out what the next steps are with the risk you've identified. Mm -hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the HIPAA rule might not even say anything about phishing, right? It might predate that. Yeah, one of the things you need to do when doing a risk assessment is not just look at the HIPAA security rule. The HIPAA security rule was written before email. Um, it was written when encryption was incredibly expensive and difficult. Uh, it has not been updated in, in over 10 years. And so you really want yeah. to look at the risk to your environment now. Not, do not focus solely on the HIPAA security rule because that's probably not addressing a lot of the risk we currently see. Yeah, it's a common thing I ask when you know organizations may be asking about HIPAA come in and they say you know we, we need to be HIPAA compliant we need to be HIPAA compliant I, do you need to be HIPAA compliant or do you need to demonstrate that you've got reduced risk as it pertains to PHI right and you're handling the PHI so okay so beyond the things we've talked about I think the obvious reducing risk taking care of PHI complying with HIPAA to a degree why is it important for organizations in the healthcare space to complete a risk assessment? Well, the other thing that recently happened in 2021, I believe it was, um, the federal government passed a law that this, they call it the HIPAA Safe Harbor Act. And basically what they're saying is they have, the government has directed the Department of Health and Human Services to take into effect whether a business associate or covered entity that had a breach has done a risk assessment, or they way refer to it as recognized security practices, to address and identify risk, identify and address risk. And that is, while it's not a get out of jail free card if you have a breach and the government does do an investigation, it is supposed to reduce your fines. It is supposed to reduce the amount of investigation the Department of Health and Human Services done. And overall, it will demonstrate to those agencies that are regulating you and looking at you and saying, how did this happen, that it was not willful neglect. You were attempting to do the right thing. As I said earlier, a risk assessment is not going to make you bulletproof. I don't know what can in this day and age, but it does show that you have attempted to do the right thing. Now, that assumes that your risk assessment was comprehensive and you actually looked at your entire organization. And we were talking about fishing a minute ago, Jordan, and there was a HEMS study a few years ago on risk assessments. And 
the study talked about how many of the people responding, I think it was about 50% said their a point of attack was fishing, mm. but only about 40% of them included fishing in their risk assessment. So you've mm. got to make sure your risk assessment covers the expected risk you're going to have, I would think, to demonstrate that level of commitment to a regulatory body. Yep, fishing and now my new favorite, smishing, which is uh, fishing via text messages, right? <laughs> so that's the new wave. Um, I've always heard that if an, the OCR does an audit, one of the first things they ask for is a copy of your risk assessment. Is that true? Mm -hmm. That is true. And if you look at their enforcement actions, they consistently call out every year over and over again in their enforcement actions, the fact that the organization they are leveling an enforcement action against did not have a comprehensive enterprise-wide risk assessment. Um, it's very evident they want that. I went to the Healthcare Compliance Association conference last spring and a person from the OCR spoke to us and they got up there and talked about the importance of a risk assessment. This is an area of focus for the Department mm -hmm. of Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights who does mm -hmm. these enforcements. So you want to be able to demonstrate that you've done it. It's yeah. also something your clients, if you are especially, especially if you are a business associate, your clients should be asking you if you've done one of these and have you addressed the risk to their data they're sharing with you? Yes. Yeah, especially if you're processing PHI. I know that sometimes business associate agreements are just sort of broadly applied, but exactly to your point, if you're a business associate, you're processing PHI, you're probably familiar with the concept of a security risk assessment. So one of the key things you just said there that stood out to me was an enterprise-wide comprehensive risk assessment. So that makes it sound pretty big. Mm -hmm. um, you might talk me off that a little bit, maybe say it's not so big, but what are some key areas of an information security program, right, that need to be included in an assessment? So, you know, when they're talking about enterprise-wide and they're talking about comprehensive, they're really looking at the areas that, that cover PHI. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to include in your risk assessment for protection of PHI, your payroll, your AP, that kind of thing. You're really looking at the relations to PHI. Okay. Um, one of the tools that the government has provided is called the Healthcare Industry Cybersecurity Practices. And basically what it does is it lists out the common threats that we're seeing and the controls and areas they expect you to be have in place to cover that. So, you know, ransomware is a big threat. One of the things they talk about, what we talked about is phishing. They talk about, have you done vulnerability assessments? Have you done upgrades? So basically, you're focusing on those things that could impact PHI, but you don't want to ignore an area because you know you don't have it covered. So, for example, vulnerability is a prime example. If you're a business associate and you've never had a vulnerability scan done, are you running a website as a covered entity and you've never had a penetration test done, don't leave those off your risk assessment because you don't know how bad the situation might be because that's that's kind of where they said it wasn't enterprise wide. It's like, you know, we're just going to ignore this problem and no one will notice. Well, that's probably where you're going to get into trouble. Hmm. Okay, makes sense. So if I'm an organization, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm looking to do an assessment for the first time or I haven't gone through one in a while or maybe in recent memory, what are the first steps to get started? 
I think the first step to get started is to define a framework that you're going to kind of assess yourself against. So we talked, I talked a little while ago about the healthcare industry cybersecurity practices. Basically, that's based off the NIST framework. Um, NIST is another one you can use. We like the healthcare industry cybersecurity practices framework simply because it's a drill down of NIST, as you know, Jordan, from your other work. NIST is a very comprehensive, huge framework. And if you pull that off the out, out the website and look at it, you're probably going to feel a little overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. So we would recommend kind of going to something like this healthcare industry cybersecurity practices and picking that one and because it actually even helps drive you to the right controls for the size of your organization. They've scaled it, small, medium, and large organizations even. So it's a really great starting point for someone who hasn't ever done one, but there are other frameworks you can use. You can um, use ISO, you can use a lot of frameworks, but you want to have a framework and a plan to start with um, because otherwise you run the risk of kind of just going scattershot and not covering everything and getting kind of drug down a rabbit hole that maybe isn't as important as something you haven't seen yet. Got it. Okay. So, and with the risk assessment, it doesn't have to be external, right? You can do this internally. There's no requirement. It has to be a third party. Um, selfishly, I would say that a third party probably is a, is, is a better look, right? Or maybe selfish isn't the right word, but uh, that's a shameless plug there. Third party, non-biased, right? Looking at the risk, maybe second set of expertise or a uh, counter set of expertise on some looking at some of these areas. So if an organization were to consider a third party for a risk assessment, um, what should they consider? So I'm going to bring up a couple of things. One, if you do do a risk assessment internally, I'm going to step back. You want to have it done by somebody who's independent. And that's the real benefit of having an external firm. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen several risk assessments that were done by somebody who reported to the chief information security officer. And the chief information security officer had been telling his governing body for years they were in good shape. Well, if you're his direct report and you're supposed to do a risk assessment, are you really going to feel comfortable saying, you know, you haven't been telling the truth for several years? Um, and so giving that independence and that um, freedom is probably one of the real reasons you go with an external uh, independent partner. It does give you some independence. There's no, you're not really drawn into any kind of political considerations in the organization. Um, and it is also somebody who's a lot of time has looked at what's going on in the industry and seeing a lot of what else is going on so they can bring that expertise to you. So you want to look for a partner that does a good number of these if you're going to use a partner um, that has a wide variety of frameworks and backgrounds. Um, I think that you don't want to consider just because it's in only in HIPAA or only in healthcare that we want to think about risk because uh, risk migrate between industries. So if, you're, if your partner is working across multiple industries, they may be heard something that hasn't made it to healthcare yet that you want to think about. Um, and so that's another benefit to having an external partner is that that breadth of knowledge across what's going on in cybersecurity as a whole. Um, and then somebody you just think you can work well with, of course, because that's always important. It's, it's you know, it's going to require some time on your side and some commitment from your organization. So you want to have a good relationship. Yep. Good thoughts. And after the assessment is complete, I assume you just put it in a sealed envelope, don't look at the results, lock it up, and do the same thing next year? Or do you do uh, something with the findings, Carol? I would 
would not recommend that approach, Jordan. That 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 generally doesn't really get you where you want to go. Remember earlier, I talked about how we tend to do our risk assessments, and we do a high priority method by saying this is your impact and your likelihood. So what you want to do after your assessment is complete, it may identify more than you can realistically do in a reasonable time period. You need to prioritize. Okay, what are we going to do? What can we do? What's the next steps? And if we can't fully mitigate something, and I'll give you a good example. Um, one of the big risks to healthcare is that medical devices that might be in a covered entity can, are using operating systems that can no longer be patched. They're just out there and it, they're old and they're therefore very vulnerable to malware and other problems. Okay, I can't force the hospital to buy all new devices. That's just not in the budget. What can we do? Can we isolate these on the network and put in some extra controls to make sure that if something does get into one of these devices, it doesn't infect our whole network. And so you're looking for a couple of things. You've got to be realistic on your approaches to it, but you've also got to come up with, I realize in healthcare, money's tight, a cost-effective way to address the risk. I mean, it'd be great if we could all afford all the fanciest, newest equipment, but that's not always realistic. Yeah, okay. Um, and I know you've mentioned it a few times now, I believe, but a risk assessment per HIPAA annual requirement. Yeah, and that and the and the subpar bracket I talked about earlier also kind of said you've shown that you've done that recognized security practices evaluation, basically a risk assessment when they went in and called out what they wanted within the past twelve months. So. You want to have a fairly current risk assessment should you have a problem. Yeah. And we talked about doing something with risk assessment. So maybe this is a tricky question or hard to answer, but could it reflect poorly on an organization or maybe to what degree, you know, are these risk assessments potentially reviewed in the event of an audit or a breach or something of that nature where there's a year or multiple years where a vulnerability or a gap was discovered and it was not remediated. It can't. Um, I will. Uh, there was a there have been some situations where the Department of Health and Human Services has actually gone after some people saying you knew year over year that you had mm -hmm. this gap that could have been remediated. I think that's the real key when they look at it. Um, the one that comes to mind related to um, unencrypted laptops, it was eventually settled in the in the favor of the hospital, but the allegation was that the hospital should have known these laptops were not encrypted and had PHI on them, and they had called that out in a risk assessment year over year and had not done anything about it. Um, so I think the question is, is it something they would have expected you to be able to do in a reasonable time period? If it's, you know, the, we just talked about the medical devices. I think they're going to be more understanding of we couldn't afford to replace every IV pump in our hospital than we couldn't afford BitLocker for a laptop. So you're going to have to think about that, too. Yeah. OK, so if you're going to do the assessment, take the results seriously, communicate them remediate the high priority things that are within reason, right? And, and do it. Yeah. And let me, and let me point out the other reason you want to do this is what I jokingly refer to as the six o'clock news risk. Um, you want to, to kind of stay ahead of your risk and, and try to mitigate them before you have a breach. Because even if 
you don't wind up with a Department of Health and Human Services investigation, or it turns out not to be as material as it often sometimes sounds, your customers, um, your your patients get wind of the fact that you may not be protecting their data because it's on the six o'clock news, they're going to look at other options. And so you you got to kind of protect your, your business in addition to just complying with the law. So. Yeah, I couldn't help but just kind of chuckle at the six o'clock, six o'clock news reference there. <laughs> I think we've well, probably reached a point in a society where I would imagine half the population doesn't understand that reference. Well, now right? it's the Instagram. It's the Instagram right. or TikTok it's viral. story. You, you know, don't have a viral, it's, it's, Carol. I can I can appreciate it. I like that. You know. Yeah, but it's it's somebody standing in it's some it's some influencer standing in front of your hospital saying they leaked my data all over the internet. There you go. And there you, go. you know that that just creates it creates fear in your customers. It's it's sure. you having to call if you're a business associate having to call your customer and tell them that something's happened. And if you're a hospital, it's you having to write. Even in this day, you have to write and mail letters if you have a breach. You can't just email. You can't just text. You've got to write and mail a letter. And having been on the side where you wrote and mailed the letters, you then have to spend the next two weeks on the phone yep. answering questions about what was in that letter. So <laughs> it's a lot of work. You sound like somebody who's lived it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Carol, I appreciate it. I know this was, uh, I think this was very insightful for those out there that need to do risk assessment or it's a requirement of them or considering it. And uh, for those of you out there listening, please, uh, you know, don't hesitate to reach out to Carol or myself for any further questions on this matter. Check out our website, compliancepoint.com. We post all sorts of content on HIPAA and uh, and the like and other information security requirements. And subscribe to the platform. There's a high likelihood you're going to hear more from Carol in the future. So, uh, yeah, thank you, everybody. And we'll see you or hear you know we won't. You'll hear us next time. Have Bye. a good day.